Good morning, everyone. I just want to follow up on the announcement that the girls just made. There are referenced. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we announced starting January 7th, we're going to be moving to three services. Our three, I think we might have a slide for that. Um, our service times are 8.30, 10.15, and 12 noon. And that's going to be starting January 7th, the very first uh, Sunday in January. So that's going to be a great time for us. Now, again, just to remind you why we're adding our, our third service, um, in our second service specifically, we are bursting at the seams. And so even if we move part of that crowd to this uh, service, this service would be full. And so we're just, we need to make more space available for you to bring your family and friends to church and, and so that we can be reaching out for, to people who don't have a relationship with God. And I mentioned this last week in Luke 15. There's uh, three illustrations talking about the idea that God is seeking and saving the lost. And the scripture tells us that he would leave the 99 to search after the one. And so we don't want to be a church that's just happy with us and us four and no more. Uh, that we always want to be able to make space for somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God to come in and to start that relationship with God and then be discipled. Last Sunday night, we celebrated baptism. We had 17 people get baptized last Sunday night. So that was fantastic. And so this is something that we're doing all together as a church family, that we're being a welcoming church, that we're inviting people into a relationship with God, and then all of us collectively are helping to disciple one another. All right, as mentioned, we are finishing off our series today, Full of Faith, and at the end of the service, we'll receive communion together um, as we talk and think about Jesus. So this whole fall, we've been looking at the subject of faith, trying to understand it, what it looks like, what it sounds like. Um, so that we can incorporate and live a true life of faith, not be nominal Christians, in other words, just Christians in name only, but truly have the power of God active in our lives, to be trusting God for his promises, um, and then completely surrendering our lives to him, that yielding to him, truly making him our Lord, not just living uh, life on our own accord, but um, submitting ourselves to him in every way. The scripture says that we should walk by faith, live by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith, that we are saved by grace through faith. So we know that faith is a very important thing for us to live out in the Christian faith. So the word faith simply means firm persuasion, a conviction based on what you have heard, and then ultimately it means trust. Faith is a relational word, that we have a relationship with God through Jesus and so as we continue to put our trust in God, we're trusting him for our today and then also for our eternity. So our jumping off point um, in the scripture is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So we see Stephen being described as someone who is full of faith, the power of God at work in his life, miracles happening, uh, trusting God for his promises. And at the end, even though he was facing resistance, he was able to have the mind of Christ and to speak with wisdom and then therefore to act with wisdom. And this would be something that we should desire in our lives, that we should want to see the power of God active in our lives as we pray and trust God for his promises. But then also that we can act in accordance with the word of God, that we can act wisely and, and conduct, our, conduct ourselves wisely in the affairs of life. 
So, so far in this series as we finish today, and all of these messages are available on our YouTube page, we talked about a faithful God, faith that transforms, a spirit of faith, faith obeys, examine your faith, faith loves, faith is generous, faith walks with God, faith produces hope, and then last week we talked about faith perseveres. And as we finish today, and as we receive communion together, we're going to be talking about faith in Jesus. Our mission statement here at the City Church is moving people closer to Jesus. And that's just a short form of the Great Commission, where the scripture talks about that we are supposed to be inviting people into a relationship with God. And then once somebody is in a relationship with God, that they And we should be disciples. We should grow in our relationship with God. But truly, our faith is in Jesus. We have uh, the centerpiece of our faith. What sets us apart is what Jesus has done for us. That none of the other religious leaders in the world, and you can go study these things out in different religions, none of them uh, ever claimed to be God. And then none of them ever claimed and prophesied their own death and resurrection. And these things are all true in Jesus. So this is what set, sets Jesus apart. And this is truly why we put our faith in him. And so here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which is obviously following Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. But the scripture wasn't written in chapter and verse. We only have these chapters and verses for reference sake so we can find uh, the same thing to talk about. But as he's talking about all of these men and women of faith in the Old Testament and all of the things that they did and accomplished by faith and how they lived their lives by faith, he finishes the story talking about Jesus. Let's read it here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So after all of those stories, Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Abel and everything that we've looked at, In Hebrews 11, he says, therefore, because all of this, because of all these things that people did by faith, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, the people that went before us that put their faith in Jesus, this is the cloud of witnesses. Do you do you have some loved ones that uh, follow Jesus and have gone on to be with the Lord? Do we do we know some predecessors in the faith, church leaders, people who were faithful church attenders and church members, and then they were preachers and served at churches? All of these people are in this great cloud of witnesses. It says, because of all of this, this great cloud of witnesses. Let us, because of all of this that has happened, let us. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily to us and let let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus. All of these people were an example for us, but we're not supposed to set our heart on Moses or Abraham or Sarah, all of these people. We're supposed to actually be looking to Jesus, that he is the centerpiece of our faith. We sang about it today. We sang about how he is our firm foundation. These great cloud of witnesses let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all have a race to run in our lives. And we think about running a race, we know if we ever watch the Olympics or some sort of track meet or something that generally people that are, are running the races have the least amount of clothes on as possible as to stay modest. Um, and to be a lot, they, they need less wind resistance so that they can run faster. But what does it say about us? We're also running a race. And so what should we do that we would lay aside weight and sin? 
And there's certain things in our lives that are obviously sin, certain habits that we might partake of. We know that we're, we're going against the word of God. But then there's these other things described that just sort of weights, unnecessary things. And if we examine ourselves and if we examine our lives, we can discover what those weights are, weights and sins. These things would slow us down on the race that we need to run. And if we've ever moved past some of these things, if we look backwards in our lives, we're like, man, I'm so glad I stopped doing that. It was just taking so much of my time. It was taking so much of my money. It was taking so much of my attention. And God wants us to lay aside these things, these weights and sins that are hindering our walk with God so that we can truly look to Jesus. What does it say about Jesus here in verse two? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For, sorry, it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, as we've been talking about faith in this series, we've been talking about endurance, surviving. We talked about perseverance. What did Jesus do? Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're not supposed to have faith in Moses or Abraham or put our trust in Abel. But here, the scripture is telling us Jesus, who we're supposed to be looking at, is the founder and perfecter of our faith. One, uh, one translation says the pioneer. One says the author and finisher. That he is starting something in us and he's going to complete something in us. And this idea, as we're hearing about all of these people's stories, we should realize that as we put our faith in God, God wants to change our life story. Because this is what we see with these people, that their story was something, and then they put their faith in God, and then their life was something else after that. And can't we testify that that's true? That God will truly change our story. Jesus the author and finisher, the, the perfecter, the one who's starting our faith and then is going to finish something in us, that God wants to change our story, that we would lay aside the weights and sins that are slowing us down on the race that we're running, that God wants to rewrite our story, the story of our life by putting our faith in him. Now, we all have a story, right? We all have a story to this point. We've all had influences. We've all made choices. But when we put our faith in Jesus, he's starting something in us. He's authoring something in our lives so that our life can be different as we put our faith in Jesus. Don't we want God to write our story as opposed to just me and what I could think up and how creative I can be? But as we put our faith in God, the giver of life, that our story can truly change. And this is something special and different that we see about Jesus. There was some uniqueness, obviously, to Jesus' life and ministry. And, and we see it here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. It says, and when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. So there's something different about the teachings of Jesus. He, he was speaking with authority different than the religious leaders of the time, something that truly pierced their heart. There was another time in the scripture that the disciples said, man, our hearts burned within, burned within us as he unfolded the scripture to us. And this is the uniqueness of serving Jesus, 
that we would allow God to truly get at our heart. So Jesus was talking to the religious leaders at the time, and he used this illustration for them about a cup and that they would clean the outside of the cup so the cup would look clean. But Jesus' point was the inside of the cup needs to be clean because we can have a shiny veneer on the outside of the cup, but there's something that needs to take place inside of the cup. And the point that Jesus was making is that our relationship with God starts within our heart, not with some sort of veneer that we can create. Not some sort of Christian put on exterior. You know, we, we all, um, we, we, are, we are all in some sort of Christian subculture. Uh, the city church has a Christian subculture, a way of doing things, a way to fit in. There's other churches that look a different way and dress a different way and have different um, music approaches and different things like that. In any of those situations, we can go and just fit in with the exterior of the culture what it looks like, what it sounds like, how to act like a Christian in this place. But the point of putting our faith in Jesus is that he would truly get at our heart as we put our faith in Jesus. So that's the question I have for you today is, what really gets at your heart for you to think and feel and decide something differently? I know that um, I'm accused many times of not being a very emotional person. And it's, and it's, you know, I live in a house with three women, or my youngest daughter's not at home right now, but when they're home, there's three women, and there's two female dogs. And um, <laughs> so of that group, I'm the least emotional person, okay? <laughs> but there's things that get at my heart sometimes. You know, I, I don't cry at too many movies. Sometimes I well up and I fight it. Toy Story 3 got to me. And, and most recently, anything that has to do with daughters, we saw the, the live action of um, The Little Mermaid. It was fine, the whole movie. And at the end, I'm going to see this movie. At the end, the, the dad's floating in the water, the king, as his daughter is going off with her husband. And I was fine, the whole movie just got to me. As soon as I saw the dad, any daddy-daughter dance recently at any w- wedding receptions that I go to, it's like, whoo, it gets my heart. And that is the question a little bit. It's like, what gets at your heart? Does anything get at your heart? Or are we just like going through life? Well, what, what gets our affection? What gets our attention? What gets our worship? Is it just contemporary issues and stuff? And it gets all, I'm, just, I'm all worked up about the things that are happening in the world. But when we think about God wanting to rewrite our story, changing the trajectory of our life because we put our faith in him, that's different than just being worked up about current events. That's not anything that's really getting at your heart. That's some sort of veneer that we can put on to fit in in 2023 and we act this way and we dress this way and we do these things. But faith in God is different than that. There's something that would get at our heart from relationship with God, something that would truly change our decisions. That it, what can change your decisions? What are the things that can change the way you act? Or do we just never, we just don't want to think about it. I'm just going along to get along. I'm not really considering my life. But Jesus is the author and finisher. He he's, wants to start something in your heart. And he wants to finish something through your life. 
Will we allow him to get at our heart? That Jesus would speak with authority and the disciples, like our hearts would burn. Are we allowing ourselves to truly have Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we would look to him, keep our eyes on him, see what he accomplished for us and allow him in to rewrite our story. There's a couple stories here we're gonna look at today. We're gonna see these people. I, I, had, I had so many notes for this last message. I just wanted to, there were so many things I felt like I left out and I was like, I had seven pages of notes where I usually have like three and a half to four. And I'm like, I gotta edit this thing down a little bit. And really I just wanted to get down to here. We're gonna read a few stories about some people that truly had their life trajectory changed because of Jesus. And this should be our story, that he could just get at our heart. And again, this is why we worship. This is, this is why we gather first part of our service. And we, we are giving our affection to God. You know, and some people would, would accuse, you know, our worship team, well, they're just trying to get me emotional. It's like, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. But not emotional for nothing, emotional for God. Like, worship God, truly connect your heart. Don't just sing the song. Don't just have the words. We could be parroting the words. But what is getting at our heart? We're gonna read some stories here. These people interacted with Jesus and it's just, he just said the thing and their heart and their life was changed forever. First one is found here in John chapter four. And this is the famous story of the woman at the well. And then Jesus had an opportunity to go a certain way, but then he went through Samaria and the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along and they were at odds with each other. But here Jesus was going through Samaria on purpose to be able to have this conversation with this woman. And they were there at the well and she was there at noon where usually people were not there at this time. And so she was there on purpose to kind of be alone. And we find out later on why her story was like this. She kind of had a hard life some difficulties and there Jesus and her having this conversation about water, physical water versus spiritual water and about who Jesus is and different things like that. And we'll pick up the story here in John chapter four, verse 11. It says this, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw the water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? So she, she, was, she was talking about physical water and he was talking about living water, water, for your life. Actual water that we could see, physical water, sustains us, right? If, if we were to dehydrate, dehydrate ourselves, we wouldn't be able to live. And it's the same way true on the inside. What is our spiritual water? What is the thing that's getting at our heart? What is the thing that's causing us to live? What are we inspired by? Again, is it just current events? Is it just working me out? I'm all worked up about these things. That's not something that's getting at your heart. Jesus talking about living water. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. We know that's true. We have a drink of water and then a little while later, we're gonna be thirsty again. But Jesus says in verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Something that's gonna satisfy our heart. 
something that will get down to our core, the core of who we are. The water that I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So again, she's missing the point of what Jesus is talking about. She's still talking about physical water. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. So here Jesus is going to get right down to the heart of the matter, the heart of the situation of this woman's life. And he's going to get down there not to condemn her. He's going to get down to the core of her heart so that he can rewrite her story as she puts her faith in him. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right in saying I have no husband. You have had five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. In a moment's notice, Jesus understood everything about her. And this is true for everybody in this room. There's nobody like Jesus who gets us. In our heart of hearts, and all of the questions that we have and all of the things that we're trying to figure out about life, there's nobody who understands us like the one who created us, the one who gifted us, the one who's aware of us. He said, she said, Jesus, I, I perceive you're a prophet. You understand everything about my life right now. Verse 20 she wants to change the subject a little bit. She's a little uncomfortable. Our fathers, she wants to have an argument now about worship. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. We're neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. But listen, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So does true worship look like this? Does true worship look like this? Or does true worship look like stained glass windows? It looks like something coming from the heart. The true worship can happen here in this room. And true worship can happen in a place with stained glass windows. We look at the exterior, but Jesus is here is talking about the heart that we're going to do it in spirit and in truth. What's true down in the center of me? In my affection and my attention and my intention. This is what Jesus is trying to get to. This is not having an argument about the exteriors of worship. It's like, listen, worship is about your heart. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. See, this is what we need to know about Jesus for our lives. He will tell us the things that we need to know for our lives. Through our relationship with him, by his word, through his spirit, this is what we need to have life fulfilled. This relationship with God. 
Verse 27, just then the disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking? So they were asking the wrong, they were upset about an exterior thing, but they didn't ask them the true question. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. This woman's life was changed. So much so, she was telling other people about Jesus. She had a certain circumstance, situation. Jesus met her on purpose. Not to condemn her, but to rewrite her story. And she could have just written this off as, oh, this is, that was just a strange conversation. That was just an oddity. I'm just going to go back to my life. But she went and she told people about Jesus, that Jesus had changed her. And this is the call for all of us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We have a, we have a race to run. Has anyone ever been dissatisfied with a 10-meter section on your race? You look back at it and you're like, eh. I was terrible during that season. Can we be honest in the room today? We just missed everything. We just made a bunch of wrong decisions. We kind of just did life on our own. But Jesus wants to tell a different story through our lives. He wants us to consider as him, as our Lord, how is he truly changing us? The author and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. And what is our faith again? Our faith is trust. Our faith is a relationship with God where we're yielding to him each area of our lives. Here's another woman here in Mark chapter five. A woman whose life was changed. Verse 25 says, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So she suffered with a very specific situation in her body for 12 years. How many think this is a really long time to struggle? You know, there's a really long time to struggle. And she had suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had, but was no better, but rather grew worse. And, you know, think about doctors this long ago. Like, there's, this is a really rough situation with doctors back then, right? So the physicians, they obviously weren't able to help her. And she suffered. She got worse. She spent all her money. So she's still sick and she's broke. It's a tough situation. Don't we think that Jesus would want to rewrite this woman's story? Is he gonna show up and he's gonna condemn her for making bad choices? Is this gonna be the situation? Now let's read it. Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So her faith was sparked. Here, her life is in this situation. She's sick. She's hearing the reports that Jesus is healing people. Her faith is inspired in this moment that her life can be different. When she had heard the reports about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. 
And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? The disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and in trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Another translation says, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So here is a woman who exercised her faith in Jesus and her story got rewritten. But don't you think this woman had some excuses? Don't you think this woman had some reasons not to go? She was probably very weak, a flow of blood for 12 years. This is a struggle. This is a real physical struggle. And in those situations, it's just easy to make excuses. You can just look at your life and say, ah, ah, life is just so hard. Life is just so difficult. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to take account of my heart. I don't want to think about life. I'm just living life. I'm just living life as it's offered to me. I'm just going to live life. I don't want to have to think about life. What is getting at your heart? What is getting at the core of who you are? Are we just droning through life? I don't want to think about it. You know, I just, I just can't wait till I graduate and get a mortgage. It's like, that can't be what life is about. <laughs> Getting a mortgage payment, yay. It's got to be more than that. She had excuses. She had reasons. She pushed past her insufficiencies. She didn't succumb to excuses. She got through the crowd and she truly connected with Jesus. He rewrote her story. Daughter, your faith, your faith, your trust in me has made you well. And this is what all of us need, looking to Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, that we would live our lives Truly connected to God. Finally, this in Hebrews chapter four, before we receive communion together. There's a description here for us to pray. And really, again, our, our prayer time is not some sort of religious duty, not something, oh, we have to do this. Again, prayer is communication, just like us talking to our loved ones. And it's not a hard thing for us to talk to our loved ones. We just automatically do this. This would be true of our prayer time. That if we're going to spend time talking to God, how is it characterized? What should it be like as God rewrites my story, changes my story? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God. So again, this idea of high priest, we might not understand it. High priest was a go-between in the Old Testament between you and God. 
So he would be the one uh, that would represent you to God for the forgiveness of sins. And then he would come back and represent God to you. So we have a high priest. Who is our high priest? Jesus, the son of God. I am not your high priest. I'm not a priest. Well, I'm a priest in one sense, but we're all priests, all right? We're getting confused right now. (laughs) But Jesus is our singular go-between between us and God. Jesus, son of God. He is our high priest. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. And we see this in the story with the woman, with all of the husbands and all of the, the situations from her past. That Jesus came and he lived on this planet. He gets it. He gets how hard your life is right now. He understands you. He's able to empathize with you and sympathize with you. He understands. This is who he is. With our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus faced every temptation that we face. Do you ever face any temptation? Jesus faced all of these same ones. Just as we are, yet did not sin. So he gets us and he understands us, but he didn't give in to those things. So he truly is our high priest. He is our go-between between us and God. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And there's nothing that describes the human condition other than time of need. Even if you're a teenager and you're young and your body is perfect and everything's great, you still have needs. You still have needs about what do I do next? What's my major and what's my career choice and who should I marry? You, all of us, have a time of need. We have needs, real life needs. And if we allow Jesus to get at our heart, we will come to him for help. And when we come, when we come to him for help, he rewrites our story. Changes us forever. Changes our today, changes our eternity. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus, never made him the Lord of your life, today is your day. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. This prayer is just a starting point in your relationship with God. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came and as we just saw there, he lived a sinless life, resisted temptation died on the cross, God raised him from the dead. And because all of that happened, we can have a relationship with God. And that we can have this connection with God that we just read about. That we don't have to live life on our own with no help. That we can actually have help from our creator. This is the invitation to 
a relationship with God. So if that's you today, I invite you to pray along with me here in a second. Or maybe you're here today, you used to be close to God. Maybe something happened to you, something difficult. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God is inviting you close to himself. Again, you pray with me as well. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes, church. And let's pray this out loud, praying with somebody who might be praying for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll have some instructions for you at the end of service today, uh, if that is you this morning. But let's receive communion together today. Uh, If you're out in the seats, it's underneath the seat in front of you. Or if you're on the front row, it's near the leg of your chair. You can go ahead and grab the elements. If you are a follower of Jesus today, we invite you to receive communion with us. Um, But no one is, you know, we're not forcing you to receive communion together with us today. So if you just grab this container, the top piece has a cellophane. Just open that up and just grab the wafer. I'm just going to read you a scripture and then we'll pray. Here at at the Last Supper, Luke 22, verse 19. Says this, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is what we've been talking about today looking to Jesus, reminding ourselves about Jesus. Jesus has left us two physical things here in the new covenant. The first one was water baptism, which we did last week, which tells the story of us identifying with Christ, us dying with Christ, risen to new life in Christ. And today this reminds us of what Jesus has provided for us. As we hold this physical thing in our hand, it reminds us of a spiritual truth. Jesus said, this is my body. Scripture tells us in Isaiah 53 that Jesus took stripes on his back. What does that mean? Is As he was whipped, the blood came through his skin. The scripture says, by his stripes... We are healed. Let's remember today as the story that we just read that Jesus is our healer. Let's pray today. God, we remind ourselves of your goodness today, that Jesus' body was broken for us. And God, so we open ourselves up wide to your spirit today. We thank you, Lord, for your healing power. We receive your healing power today, Lord, the top of our head, the soles of our feet, thank you, Lord, that your power is greater than any sickness and disease. God, and you also said in your word that you bind up the brokenhearted. So I just pray for anyone in here today who's suffering from a broken heart, hurt emotions. Just like this woman today, you didn't reject her, Lord, that you offered her the water of life. So we thank you, Lord, for your healing today. We remind ourselves about Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can open up the bottom portion. 
Verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood, that we would do this again to remember Jesus. Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So as we hold this physical thing again today, it reminds us the reason that we can be in a relationship with God, that our sins are washed away, that our past doesn't define our future, is because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, his finished work by shedding his blood. So let's pray today. God, we thank you for Jesus and his shed blood. God, we thank you for forgiveness of sin today. That we never have to run from you when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we mess up. That we can always run to you and you offer us your mercy and grace. So we thank you for forgiveness of sin today. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy that it's applied to my life. That I can be in your family today. That I can be called the righteousness of God because of your shed blood. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. Awesome. You can take your communion cups and put them right back where you found them, either in that seat in front of you or on the ground. Our ushers will take care of it after service. Wasn't that a great word from Pastor Brett this morning? So good to be in church with you. Yes, come on. Such a good word. Well, hey, Pastor Brent mentioned if you uh, received Jesus today, if you decided to follow him or you recommitted your life to him, want to let you know of how you can get more resources for your new journey of faith. Fill out the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Turn that into our info uh, desk right there in our main lobby. We're going to have a team that's going to celebrate with you because it's one of the best decisions you've ever made. They're going to be able to celebrate with you, party with you, and then they'll give you some resources uh, for your new journey of faith. All right. want to let you know as well. Uh, today was our our uh, last. We are in the last Sunday of our series, full of faith, because next week we are in December, kicking off. Come on, Christmas in the city. I know Christmas is right around the corner. And so we want to let you know we have these info cards that you can use as invite cards. They're at the info desk, they're at the cafe tables, and at the table right outside of the main auditorium, uh, letting you know kind of the calendar for December, letting you know all of the exciting things coming up. But we're going to have a good time partying during Christmas in December, all right? Uh, Let me invite you to stand as we get ready to go. If you're hoping for someone to pray with you or for you this morning, some of our church leadership, they're coming down to the front of the stage right now. Feel free to come up to any one of them after we dismiss here in just a couple of moments. Amazing city. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Hope that you have a great week full of faith encountering Jesus. Have a great week. We will see you next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We love you.